Welcome back to the Gamers Live podcast, where we cover numerous aspects of the South African gaming world. Uh, it's esports stars, it's game developers, the movers and shakers, uh, the new businesses popping up and those closing down. Uh, we do this in an effort to unpack just what's going on in South Africa inside this exciting industry. Uh, I'm your host, Scott Peter Smith, uh, head of video and audio here at the Arena Holdings, and today we are joined by Gareth Woods, um, longtime name and face in the South African gaming and esports scene, uh, wearing different hats uh, presenter, shoutcaster, marketer, business owner, and all round gaming guru. Uh, in a clear snub to uh, media trends today, he's written a book. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the book I enjoyed. Uh, I'm certainly old enough to smile at your early gaming references. Cool. Um, uh, the book was surprisingly autobiographical, but it was one of the elements that made it readable and relatable, uh, certainly to me and I'm sure to some others. So maybe let's start there. What was the genesis of this? Um, why did you feel you wanted to write the book? I think they always talk about uh, authors kind of know there's a book inside them. You know, like it's just it's just in there. And uh, in all honesty, having written this one, I still think there's, there's a book inside. But it was, um, part of it was ego. Part of it was like, wanting to get it out there and you know i suppose there's, there's certain things about leaving a legacy or leaving something some sort of imprint whatever mm. however meager it might be but i think where it really turned into what that was in terms of this book was conversations i'd had with enough parents uh, who kind of had noticed this gaming trend and how their kids were obsessed with it and they wanted to be pro gamers and youtubers and all that sort of stuff um, and not wanting to be the parents that they had who told them, you know, you're wasting your time with this rock and roll, with this art, with this whatever it was, you know, go play outside. Ironically, in a weird way, basically tell them to put their head down and, and study, but meaningly like go out there, be a, you know, be a child, go play. Um, and I just, there was all these sort of ironies for me about like, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're, they're playing, they're exploring a world of opportunities through play and yet kind of the meme was always you know go play outside and and so obviously with COVID being what it is outside is not the safe place it used to be um and so hence hence the title being switched on its head originally the title was go play outside because it was just a play on that whole thing mm. in fact I had a podcast for for many years called go play outside which kind of talked about games and and kind of how how, how much we learn from them um but this book really was trying to address that space, that almost like generation gap between parents and non-gamers and their judgment of the space. And I guess in a weird way to tell gamers who, who read this, they're kind of like, it's okay. You, like, it doesn't have to be this waste of time. Um, but in the same way, it doesn't have to be this formalized learning process. I mean, I'm sure you, you got the references, you, you're the similar age to me where we had those educational games and our parents were like, okay, you can play games if you're playing this typing simulator or this math game. And they were so terrible because it was like the, the learning wasn't disguised. It was now you are learning and you played them because it was better than actually learning. Um, but, but it was the idea that like, okay, you can play games as long as you're learning something. And I guess the mm -hmm. irony for me is that how much I've learned from playing games that weren't designed to teach me anything. I've just learned these things and I've been able to apply them to my life. So in relation to what you've been saying uh, in your work, in your life, uh, how difficult do you find it to explain the value of gaming to those who uh, haven't been involved in gaming? 
Yeah, fair enough. I think, uh, if anything, I, I rely on my my experience as a stand up comedian the most because it it gave me. I mean, as a as a stand up for almost a decade, and it it gave me the experience of just like being able to read a room for the lowest common denominator and, and what is going to connect the room because, you know, you go into a crowd and all of a sudden you start doing your material and you realize, Oh, it's not working last night. It worked fine. And it's because the crowd's different. There's a different like connecting thread between all of them. And I think, you know, for me, it's like, I obviously use that skill a lot in um, my years at gaming ventures and at good game well played and in speaking to brands and brand directors who, you know, you're trying to take their money away from TV. And I mean, we've just taught them about Facebook and, and Google ads. Now I've got to teach them about gaming. And, and it kind of feels like, you know, I didn't get to the top of where I am, you know, you know, not listening to, to you know, all my experience in TV or radio or whatever. And so I, I think a lot of that work luckily has been done culturally in that gaming has become more mainstream. I mean, the throwaway stat we always show is how gaming is, is more... Um, well, I was going to say lucrative, but it's it's a bigger industry than the movie and music industry combined. Mm. Um, and so often a lot of that discussion is just like, cool, then that's the reference point, you know, to get into that conversation. For someone who understands, wow, the movie industry is huge. Every time there's a Hollywood blockbuster, there's a billion dollars or whatever. And I'm going, okay, cool. The gaming industry is bigger than that. Or when they go, oh, you know, I don't, I don't get how people can be so obsessed with gaming. Oh, do you have children? Do they play Minecraft? Do they play Fortnite? And then they click that like, mm-hmm. yeah, these are still kids who are normal children. They're not these 14 year old uh, basement dwelling, you know, 40 year old virgins in the making type that we were taught that gamers were. These are healthy 14 year olds who are playing rugby and going outside and gaming. It's, and, and I think then that's the reference point. And so I think the skill of anything has been like finding out what is the reference point even if it's asking someone, you know, look on your phone, how many games do you have installed? Oh, but I'm not a gamer, but I've got Candy Crush, Pokemon Go, and I've got all these games on. It's like, no, but I'm not a gamer. So, yeah, I think it's been the ability to connect with people and finding out that gamers are not this preconceived idea of, like I said, the the nerd, as it were. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you what would you consider the the main tenets of your book? I mean, I actually listed a few. I mean, most writers make it kind of easy for you, and then it's the title of the chapters, but you didn't do that, so, so, I, so I had to. Yeah, I, so I, I, I gathered that, it, and I, I thought um, often when there's, um, when there's an attempt to make a, I, I wouldn't say you were, uh, I, well, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say you're directly trying to make gaming as a metaphor for life, um, but it was, but I think the lessons you learned and the, the kind of the, the game mechanics that are required to make a game interesting, you could pro, you, you can actually, uh, you know, apply some of that to your life. You know, certain things like um, obstacles are important. Um, having, a, yeah, having, a, yeah. having, a, having an obsession with achievement. Um, learning that failure is okay. Obstacles must, they, they're there to be overcome and there's always a way to overcome them. Um, maybe you can comment on that. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe, yeah, if there is potentially a weakness of, of the book that it's it maybe doesn't have one directive that's trying to land one agenda um it obviously started as me going there are these um concepts i've learned through gaming and so to take something like the fact that the game must get more difficult um and i'm going how does that concept and something that is just wholly appreciated about games i mean let's take for example you do level one and the boss is some dragon that you have to jump on its foot cool solved you go to level two same dragon 
level three, same dragon. I'm not going to play this game anymore. I don't even know what level four is because I'm just done with it. And yet somehow in our lives, we don't want that. We, we say that we want a life that goes from point A to point B with no disruption in between, but, but that's not a life. That's, that's not even a good movie. There would be a terrible game, a terrible movie, a terrible anything. We need those obstacles and we need those obstacles to get bigger. I mean, I often think back at like, oh, to have the problems that my five-year-old has. But for him, those are the problems a five-year-old deals with and he's ready for and he's prepared for. But then when he gets to, I mean, we probably all had this conversation, like when you're in standard six or what grade, grade eight or whatever, and then the matrix or the final years are going, oh, grade six, what a joke. It's so easy. Yeah, but when you're in standard six, you were complaining about it. And then when you get to matric, you're like, yeah, matric is harder than standard six. But then the first year varsity students are going, oh, matric, what a joke. Wait till you get to first year. And you're like, whoa, okay. And then you get to first year. And then it's the final years and then it's people working and then it's married people and then it's parents and then it's business owners. So you just go through all these steps and everyone a step ahead of you is always going like, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's so much harder when you get here. And I just, it was so many of these analogies where I was going, that's so similar to gaming. And, and I think the whole book was written out of like, how many analogous experiences are there between the way games are designed, taken for granted as a gaming subject? And then how can we transplant that into you know, I laugh because there's a lot of stuff, especially having grown up from gaming, like basically since, you know, Pong, watching two paddles bounce a dot around and seeing how things have progressed. A lot of stuff is taken for granted. And I feel like there are people entering the gaming world now who just just don't know some of those building blocks. I mean, I'll, I'll use an example. Like you start a game like a platformer like Mario, you just know, go right like it's just you just know that you don't go like which direction must i go but you hand a controller to like a brand new player who's never touched the game that's a question they will ask and so it's weird how gamers have developed these skills and these kind of appreciations for the way things need to the mechanics of it and how can can i apply those to you know to life so yeah perhaps the the analogies are are very disparate in terms of like many different things and that's why i guess i tried to tie it in the beginning in terms of like who I am and why gaming is important to me and why I feel, I guess I have the credentials to talk about this. Um, but then also tying it at the end with going like, this is only my view. This is only my um, kind of viewpoint and my experience. And that this journey is actually a shared one. Um, and that this is just the start. I think I use the analogy of like that point on a hike when you, you kind of, you know, you've achieved something because you've reached a viewpoint, like there's a, like a small hill or a small mountain and you look and you see of how far you've come, but then you look ahead at the mountain ahead and you're just like, we've still got a long way to go, but it's not that we haven't achieved any by getting this far. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if the book will be, the next one will be a direct chapter two to this, but I think that like, th th it's just been my ability, I guess, at 37 to finally articulate you know, 30 odd years experience of gaming to finally have the words and the self-reflection and the, I guess, awareness to be able to finally articulate those ideas. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fair, it's a fair analogy to make. I mean, I remember um, particularly a bad example in my own history of game when Doom, when Doom was a big thing way back, mm. must have been, when was that? Early 90s. 90s. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was a, there was a, it was my first experience with cheat code. You could, you could actually, um, yeah, God, no, in, in, in vulnerable, invulnerable yeah. mode. 
And I remember I, I, I knew Doom so well, and I, I, I remember I found the Chicos. I was like, oh, great, in vulnerable mode. And I played for a while, and eventually you just get tired of blowing everything up when you can't, <laughs> and killing yeah. everyone, you can't actually be killed. And I think that's an analogy no no to yeah. make in life. You know, you're in a space where um, if, you're, if you're taking the easy path, uh, you're kind of, and you're not confronting the kind of obstacles, or you don't have, you don't have to take the risk that you should have to, have to take in order to make a game interesting, but also, you know, I think it's a fair, fair comparison to make in terms of life that you, and I, I think you did it well. I think, I think, you, you know, you, you made the argument well. Often, often there's, um, you know, a lot of writers will take, uh, they'll make, um, let's say, spurious connections between, uh, between two concepts, but I think you, you laid it out nicely. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about, you, you mentioned parenting a little bit in your book. Um, and obviously you're grappling with, uh, you know, with your own child's uh, um, uh, playing games, and you do mention that they're passionate about it and they want to play games a little bit. How do you, you know, in reference to your book and you know the importance of games, how do you manage their time? How do you how do you approach that? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is tough, and potentially I am more lenient, I guess, with screen time than some parents. So in the Chinese, that's give... for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <geez. laughs> um, so, so to give context, I mean, my, my kid gets an hour of, of games. Uh, so from five to six, he gets to play games. Um, and then at six o'clock, he gets to watch TV. And that's been, um, and that's still half of six when we have, we have dinner. So an hour and a half a day, I mean, you can call it what it is. That's we, what we felt is fair. Um, but it's the thing of like wanting to push games over TV because I feel it's a more interactive pastime. I think you're actually learning even when you're having fun more so than passively watching TV. Um, and the, the other thing is there are still certain boundaries. I mean, for example, that is obviously the first thing that could remove when he's punished. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. to discipline, we take away the thing oh. that he enjoys. But, but it's, uh, I kind of like to think of TV and, and screen time in general as a tool. Um, and so tools can be abused. I mean, in the same way as we take something like, I mean, I suppose a lot of people would look at like a gun. A gun's probably a really good example of a tool that gets abused very, very easily. Uh, food, all these sort of things are like, they're part of human existence. We can't take them away. Trying to control society in terms of you can, you can't has caused countless upheavals. But if you can just have this uh, situation where you see something like food or whatever as a tool, then then you can use it for good. You can use it for bad. It's all about you know, that, that level of kind of maintenance. And so that's been our attitude, my wife and I, about screen time in general. Gaming, it's, it's meant to be a tool to relax, entertain, educate, all that sort of things. But we know when enough's enough. We know, like, we like to feel it. We know that we set these limits when we're in these, like, um, you know, lucid times or whatever. But there are times when we are super tired and one hour, we come three hours because it's just like we need that time as well. It is a tool to help us. And I think the risk is that parents I find sometimes get into that kind of contraband stage of just going like dropping the hammer and going screen times are, you know, totally contraband. You can't, and, and you actually just, I feel you not only removing a tool to help you as a parent, um, but also the, you're talking about like putting your kid into a situation where they are just going to be thrown into the social group where everyone else has got screens and, you know, suddenly like they're, they're a step behind. And I know then you start to get into arguments about when's the right age. You know, we start talking about cell phones and access to, you know, the world at large and internet. And obviously that's down to the parent, down to the child. But um, at the end of the day, if you think of something as a tool that is available, you can't unring that bell. It is out there. 
if you create a contraband element to it, they're just going to go out and find it anyway. I mean, I was of the generation where like, cool, was not allowed to watch South Park. You know, it was, I was probably about 13 years old when it came out. And so five years under the legal age restriction, we just went to the kid's house who's, you had older uh, siblings and because they were watching it, we watched it. And it's like, you, you're always going to get around it, but it becomes the shameful thing that you've got to hide. And I think that for a lot of people is what been, what gaming has been about. They, um, I think the worst for me is seeing, and I, and I think part of the seed of the whole book was um, seeing people be passionate about something and then instantly censor themselves because they feel like it's not appropriate conversation. You know, they, they, I'll meet someone often at a dinner party and we're talking passionately about gaming and they're like almost so stoked to be able to talk about this thing they never get to talk about. And then they either self-shun because they get a side eye from the partner or they realize that like, oh, you and I have been talking too long and we're not being social. But it's just like, do you enjoy talking about this? Talk about it. Like I, I've always said like the things that you are interesting are interested about is what makes you interesting. And so the fact that people self-censor themselves about their love of whatever, because it's too nerdy or it's too fringe or it's too geeky, whatever, like it's soul crushing for me because I can see that that is a child who went to show their parents, hey, dad, look at this drawing I did of Mario. Stop wasting your time with stupid games. Go do your homework. And then it's just like, cool, not going to show dad this anymore. Like, in fact, I'm still going to do it, but I'm just not going to show anyone. Um, and I, I take a lesson that my, my dad told me was just like, your kids give you very few chances to be invited into their world. And when they do, take it. Don't judge it. Just accept the invitation. So when they show you the music that they're into or they show you the, the art they've been doing, just be stoked that they want to show you, that they're proud enough to show you. They're showing the vulnerability, I guess. And if you instantly stomp on that because it's a waste of time, then you're just going to crush it for them. Yeah. Do so, you uh, do you play games with you with with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's I love it. I mean, obviously, it is hard to balance sometimes. You know, being able to, but that's the other thing in terms of a tool. It's an amazing tool to be able to connect with your kids. There are so many games that are just so fun uh, to be able to just. I'm I'm just watching in progress, and there are times when I'm just like kind of stunned at like how quickly he's picking things up i mean we were playing an, an air hockey game recently on nintendo switch you know you kind of paddle you bounce the ball the puck around whatever and i have to be honest it's getting to the stage where you're having to like okay you know the forward stance the ready like it, it was the casual like okay cool i can beat a five-year-old and then all of a sudden it's just like oh damn i'm, I'm actually trying i'm no more like our oh, dad's letting me win i'm like seriously it's becoming a sweaty game and and, and, I, and I revel on the fact that one day, like, he will beat me, like, uncategorically. There will be no, no game I can beat him at, you know? Maybe go back to chess or whatever. Um, are, there, are there any sort of other messages or, or tenets in the book that you want to, that you want to, um, that you want to express here? Um, something sort of points you want to bring home or? Yeah, I, th I think the big one that's kind of, like, gotten more and more relevant through as we live through this whole COVID thing was the message i think it's in the chapter called uh it's called a controller for a reason it's one of the first ones and and it's weird how often that piece of like gaming learning feels like oh if i could just teach people that one thing and it's the idea that like gaming gaming really teaches you an element of like what is in control and what's not in control 
Um, so, I mean, let's use Mario as an example. It's probably got a broad appeal in terms of the most people potentially mm -hmm. listening to this would understand it. So you've got Mario. You can move Mario left, right. You can, you can jump, you can duck, and occasionally he gets power-ups. That's all Mario can do. Mario doesn't control the timer. Mario doesn't control gravity. Mario doesn't control Bowser or the Goombas or any of the enemies. And it's weird how gamers just know that. Like gamers know, I mean, you, you can sometimes in the, the more control freak type games go and like remap your controls so that a button now is B and down is up and you can remap controls, but like, that's all you control. Like, and, and it's weird how you just are okay with that. You're not getting frustrated at the fact that like, Oh, I can't control the Goombas. I can't make them move left or right. Yeah. Cause that's how the game works. And it, it's weird. How if you can just transplant that into life going, cool, I'm Mario now. What can I control? I can control moving left, right, the words I say, how I react to things, but I can't control gravity. I can't control my enemies. I can't. And, and it's weird how once it clicks, there's just this level of, okay, rad. And so if I think of this COVID pandemic, you go like, cool, what can I control? What can't I control? And just get over the stuff that you can't control because it's like, it's, even if I go into the settings, there's no way for me to change in the settings how I get to control the things I'm not supposed to control. Um, awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that message is just more as time's gone past, just like rising to the top in terms mm -hmm. of relevance. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome, Gareth. Yeah, let's uh, let's close it up. Thanks so much for your time, man. Cheers, thanks for talking about your book. Good luck with good luck with the sales there, and I'm uh, looking forward to the the second one coming out. And um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully when there's events uh, when there's events again, uh, when there's another rage, hopefully at some point or another esports yeah, yeah. esports uh, 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 tournament. I hope to see you, man. Likewise. Thanks for yes. your time. All right. Thanks so much, buddy. All right. Cheers, Scott. Bye. Bye. just been listening to Gareth Woods, who released a book earlier this year called Go Play Inside, What Video Games Can Teach Us About the Game of Life. Uh, in the book, he shares 10 life lessons he has learned playing games. Um, admittedly, I'm a little bit late on this interview by a couple of months. That's part of the trouble with side gigs. Uh, sometimes job number one calls you to action at the expense of others, but uh, hopefully just in time to do some sales for the book around Christmas. Uh, it's available at all good bookstores and their online stores. I'm Scott Peter Smith, this is Gamers Live, and you can check out more podcasts and other things we do on the Times Live website, or find us on iono.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you'd like to find your podcasts. Uh, goodbye, good night, and good luck, and the last one up, please turn off the console. <laughs>